0: Listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast. This is episode 42, the Oh My God, Maryland actually made this week 16 edition. I'm joined by only one person tonight because Evair decided to make like Michigan State in the NCAA tournament and fail at the critical moment. So Dave Tucker is the only person that is joining me tonight. I wish we could have more, but Dave, I think, is the most appropriate person to talk about a game against Kansas in the NCAA tournament because you were at the last time Maryland played Kansas in the NCAA tournament.
1: I was. It was in the Final Four in 2002 in Atlanta.
0: In a stadium that will... By maybe this time next year, be knocked down. Does that make you feel old yet?
1: Oh, a lot of things make me feel old, but yes, that does too.
0: What are your recollections of that game?
1: Uh, it was a it was a great game. Kansas had a really really talented team. Uh, of course, Roy Williams was still Kansas's head coach at that time, um, but Maryland was just on the on a mission. I mean, they were like a team of destiny that year. Uh, I remember Juan Dixon had an incredible game that game. Uh, I want to say Taj Holden had a really big game off the bench for Maryland as well. So it was an, it was an exciting game. I, I remember that. And then, um, of course, they won and then got to face Indiana, who no one really expected to be there at that point.
0: I have no idea what happened in that game because I was eight. College basketball and picking tournament games was still a few years away, a few very sad years away, because I suck at predicting the tournament, by the way. As you have no doubt found out by looking at our bracket challenge, and I'm going to do it now, actually, to see how we're doing in this in the Testudo Times group. I think over, like, 400 people join, which is really cool. Uh, I am at rank 140. That's really not that good. Uh, Dave, I know you joined. Where are you?
1: Um, I'm not too far from the top, but there's a bunch of people that are tied. I want to say I'm 30-something.
0: 30 30-something. 30 we can check that, actually, right now. Uh, I don't know what the name of your bracket is, but I think you're the uh, you're the administrator, so I'm trying to see where you might be. Uh, again, with 474 people, it's hard to find where you might be. Uh, anyway, Dave is somewhere. I'm way down the list because... I picked Michigan State, a lot, uh, not Michigan State to win the national title, I had Kansas, but a lot of people picked Michigan State. The leader of the pack right now, two people lead with 51 points, Hayes with Diamond S is Not Forever, which is a very appropriate name, and then Sean, simply titled The Bracket, uh, Hayes picked Michigan State for his national champion, and Sean picked Oklahoma. There are a bunch of people. I think I see five with 50 and then a bunch more with 49. So it's pretty close in the bracket challenge. And no doubt the entire bracket will be ruined tomorrow night one way or the other, depending on what happens. Either my bracket is killed or Maryland's season is killed. And I haven't yet decided which one I, I will. Obviously, I want Maryland to win. But, you know, more realistic things are, are coming. Who did you pick to win the national title? We never got a chance to ask you.
1: And our bracket, I picked Maryland because I felt obligated to.
0: I never feel obligated to pick my team. It goes it goes in, in waves and in spurts of waves, but who, do you, who did you actually think was going to win the national title?
1: Uh, I thought Kansas would. I thought it would be a uh, championship game between Kansas and Michigan State, and I'm still scratching my head at how Michigan State lost that game. It was... I mean, it's just got to be one of the biggest upsets I can ever remember. So, by the way, I'm tied for 140th place. Yeah, so you're in the same spot as me. With 42 points, just FYI.
0: Yes, nine points behind the leaders, and you're in the same spot as I am. I also thought Michigan State, you know, I didn't want to talk about that briefly because I think we have to. Is that the biggest tournament upset of all time? At least the ones I can remember. I don't think Florida Gulf Coast over Georgetown was that big of an upset because Georgetown is a terrible tournament team, and therefore everything they do sort of at this point now doesn't count. But this Michigan State team, we made the living on Izzo in March, right? And then they lose to a Middle Tennessee State team that got blown out by one of the most mediocre Syracuse teams in a long time. I mean, I think it's the biggest tournament upset of all time.
1: I mean, it's definitely got to be out there. It's got to be, I mean, top three or top five for sure. Uh, I think
0: – I mean, think... maybe when Lehigh and Norfolk State beat Duke and Missouri in 2012, those were pretty big. I mean, there have been twos that lost to 15s before. But, again, I don't have the really the historical context of those games. But this Michigan State team was one that – Oh, God, like, everybody picked to go far. I don't think I saw – I saw a few brackets where they didn't make it to the Final Four, but that was it. Like, everybody had them basically going to the Elite Eight. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I think – let me see. Norfolk State, they were a 15 seed, and they beat uh, – Yeah,
0: Missouri. Missouri,
1: yeah. That, that's I the mean, other really, really big upset that I can think of. That was 2002. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, th- this – like you said, you know – Tom Izzo in March, a Michigan State team that has you know one of the best players in the country and Denzel Valentine on it, uh, a team that seemed to be peaking as the season wore on and got into March like Izzo teams tend to do. It's you know it's they never like led
0: the, in that game.
1: Yeah, it it it's incredible. I mean, it's just it's just stunning. It really is. You just you just were waiting for them to to catch up and kind of get a lead. And once they did, you're kind of like, okay, this is over. But they, they never did. They never got there.
0: I was absolutely amazed in terms of other things that happened. I mean, after all the stuff that went wrong for Cal, Hawaii beating them wasn't that surprising. Stephen F. Austin destroying West Virginia. I mean, that had to give you a little sick sense of satisfaction, didn't it?
1: Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. And then uh, the way they lost to Notre Dame was cruel, and then it became crueler because Chris Christie was in their locker room, and that made you hate Notre Dame even more. Uh, Yale Yale beating Baylor's not a surprise. Baylor's now reaching the Georgetown echelon of teams you just do not pick in the tournament to do anything. Wichita State wasn't really a surprise. Arkansas, Little well, the way Purdue gagged was pretty surprising. I, I'm not surprised that I think Purdue lost in general, but – I mean, Purdue gagging the way they did was pretty hilarious.
1: Yeah, I I thought Purdue would um, go a little bit further. Some of my brackets, I thought they could make a run to the Sweet 16, um, potentially get a little bit further. I thought they could present uh, some problems for Virginia because of the size they have inside. But alas, it was not meant to be.
0: Okay, let's, after all those upsets, everything really normalized. Six ACC teams, only one mid-major, and it's Gonzaga, so they really don't count. But that's
1: well, the thing, one thing about this tournament, a lot of people are, are talking about some of the upsets, but if you look at some of the advanced metrics for some of these teams, I mean, there really weren't, some of them, you know, it might have been a, a 5-12 upset, but if you're looking at these advanced metrics, it's really not that big of a upset with some of these teams. I mean, these teams were really good, but they were seeded incredibly low, and I think, I don't know, I don't know what the, the tournament, the committee's decisions were for some of the seedings that they made. It, it seemed like they very much devalued the, the Big Ten, and maybe that's come to be true based on some of the results that have happened, and then some of the seedings they gave some of these teams, I, I just don't know what what metrics they're using to to make the basis for them.
0: RPI, probably. But three Big Ten teams still made it. So, I mean, and arguably, the three Big Ten teams that made it were the ones that everybody was kind of like, I'm not so sure. Right. I mean, Wisconsin, nobody thought was going to get there. I didn't think they were going to get there. Indiana, I could have seen it, but I didn't expect them to play the way they did against Kentucky. And every, oh, the popular 12-5 upset was Maryland. So, right. And a lot of people had them losing to Cal. But let's actually talk about the Terps now. We've spent – The first nine minutes of this podcast, not really talking about them, although we did at the start. These two games, I think, perfectly encapsulate everything that happened in this Maryland season. They get hot in brief stretches where they look like they can blow out and destroy anybody. Then they almost lose and find new and creative ways to lose. Then against Hawaii, they get killed on the offensive glass, make one three, and they win by double digits. It doesn't make much sense, but that's Maryland basketball this season. And I think it's really fitting that that's the way they got to the Sweet 16.
1: Yeah, it it really was. Um, To me, it's still incredible. They went one for 18 from beyond the arc. Um, To me, the... Yeah, really, aside from that one for 18, Maryland did a lot of things really well.
0: And the offensive rebounding. You yeah, the offensive rebounding. Part of that, saying.
1: I think, is the fact that they missed 17 uh, three-point attempts.
0: I think the other thing that I, I said on this podcast before was, I've just accepted the offensive rebounding is going to stink at this point. It's not even bothered. It's not even worth saying it's going to improve because it's not. And Maryland has won in spite of it before, and they won in spite of it on Sunday. So uh, you could continue, but that's just my that's my tangent on offensive rebounding.
1: <laughs> well, to me, the the biggest thing was how well they got to the line, and I, th- I really think that's a can be a big strength for them, especially for Melo Trimble, and I think he really went out there and saw it contact, which I don't think you've seen him do as much this year, especially recently. And, you know, for the fact that Maryland was one for 18 from beyond the arc, they, I think it was 28 of 31 from the free throw line. So, I mean, they, they made up for it. And I think they did a good job doing other things, knowing that their shot wasn't falling. And I I think, you know, that's a, that's a credit to them. I think they're going to need to make those kind of adjustments against uh, Kansas. But obviously, if they go one for 18, then, you know, they're not going to win. Well,
0: they're going to get run out of the gym. I want to talk about this for a second because Mellow Trimble seemed to be drawing more contact, which is obviously fantastic. But the thought had been brought up quite a bit during the regular season that Big Ten reps and apparently – I saw one tweet from somebody that said Big Ten teams last year complained about how much – contact Bellow Trimble was drawing all the fouls he was drawing and kind of got the Big Ten refs to tamp down on. Now that he's, now that we're in a national setting and those aren't necessarily Big Ten refs, they don't know, oh, here's Bellow Trimble's little head jerk move that shows you he drew contact, you know. And now those officials aren't necessarily wise to it, and he's confident now that he can get contact and the foul calls. So before, when he was driving and not getting the foul calls, he would have been hesitant to go to the basket, and that's why he was settling for outside shots. Now that he knows, the officials are probably going to call it more tightly because it's the NCAA tournament as opposed to letting stuff go. We've seen some stupid calls in this tournament, by the way. We see Melo Trimble more willing to drive to the basket because the officials are more likely to call fouls.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's very true. I think Trimble has done a good job um, really selling some of those fouls when he's attacking the basket like you said and I think you know coaches are going to be wise and catch on to things like that um, and now we're in the NCAA tournament and maybe you have officials who aren't as aware of Mello's ability to do something like that. Um, I think it's definitely worth noting and it kind of um, supports your theory there Matt that in the game against um, Hawaii, Trimble was 13 of 14 from the free throw line. Those and, were
0: last year's numbers. I mean, the, almost every single game he was doing that. And this year, I can't remember the last time he went to the line that many times, excluding South Dakota State, and he went to the line a lot there too.
1: Yeah, I can't he was, remember
0: the last time he went to the line that much.
1: He, he was 9 of 9 against South Dakota State. So you're looking at, what, um, 23 free throw attempts over two games for him. And, you know, that's something that we were used to seeing so much last year, but we haven't seen this year. I think his free throw attempts against Hawaii might have been the most he's had since their game against Connecticut, maybe, earlier this year. I'm
0: going to look that up.
1: He went there against Connecticut. I think he went to the line 15 times and made 14 of them. I don't know if there's another game between those two that he went to the line that many times.
0: I will check. I'm checking at the moment because, you know, that was the thing we saw last year. When, when Maryland did that. He, he just went to the line every single time at all sorts of opportunities. Now I'm looking at the complete game logs that we have. Um, he went to the line 18 times against Georgetown, 15 against UConn, and the most 11 against Purdue in the win, 10 against Wisconsin, 10 at Purdue – But you're right. The most he got, we went to the line 15 times against UConn, and then the number, then the best number he hit was 11 after that. Like, there was a stretch between that game and Ohio State where the most he went, the second Ohio State game, where the most times he went to the line was six. Like, that's insane compared to where he was last year. And actually, now that I look at it, I've got the game log from a year ago. Uh, Let's see. He went to the line more than 10 times seven, eight, eight times. This year, it's certainly not that high. Uh, Now that I see it, there's two, three, four, five, six. So, yeah, the the numbers have definitely gone down. So, good good point on that, Dave. Let's actually go back to the, the South Dakota State game for a second because, again, this was a weird game, but in a very Maryland way, it was weird. They couldn't shake the Jackrabbits for a while. They weren't shooting well, but South Dakota State was shooting worse, and a lot of that has to do with Maryland's just sensational defense. Actually, the last three games for Maryland, I don't think I've seen them play better defense than that all season. I don't think I've seen them play as good a defense as that really in the last couple of years, right? I mean, their defense in the last couple of games has just been – you can't play better defense than that. excepting yeah. the stretch where Maryland almost choked.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think they their defensive Effort, I feel like, really started in the second half of that loss against uh, Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and since then, I really think they've been locked in on defense, and uh, it's it's really you know shown the effort has really paid off for them. They've had some tough stretches in terms of scoring, uh, so on offense, they've struggled a little bit, um, never more so than that, that Hawaii game. But, you know, with that defensive effort like that, I mean, that's what you really need to do to be successful in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it's I'm really, really curious to see how that carries over to this game against Kansas, because it's just another fantastic. I mean, I I think Kansas is the best team in the all of the NCAA this year. I really do. So Maryland has a ton of talent. People have been talking about it. Maryland might have one of the most talented teams top to bottom, one of the most talented starting fives, but they haven't been able to put that whole thing together all year. And, you know, they're going to have to do that against Kansas if they want to advance.
0: Yep. Quickly, I guess on the on the South Dakota State game, we saw Jake Lehman and Jared Dickens do their thing from the outside when Maryland went on the run, where it looked like they were unbeatable at that point. And we've seen the Terps get red hot, That's not something that's new to us. Uh, But I guess the way it happened against South Dakota State was they were really pesky. But until the end of the game, they didn't find their stroke. And, again, that was a really decent team from the outside in terms of shooting. Mike Dom did his thing, but he didn't do an amazing – he didn't have an amazing game, so to speak. I mean, the South Dakota State game, excepting when Maryland almost gagged and gave it away – that was a good game against a very upstart team in a game that some people had you losing, and I think a lot of people were like, uh, "I could see and probably screwing this up."
1: Yeah, I mean, the they went into halftime with a a twelve point lead, and then midway through the second half, they were up one point, fifty to thirty two, and it really seemed like you know they were gonna cruise and kind of have a nice blowout game and be able to rest some guys and be ready to go to try to get back to the Sweet 16 in their next game. And then South Dakota State just went on this, you know, big run and Maryland seemed content with trying to kill the clock, I think a little too early and had some ill-advised shots. And I think it's just a typical thing that's happened with Maryland this year where, you know, they look like they're, an unstoppable team at one point, and then they turn around and they let something like that happen. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable that something like that could happen. And then you look at the the two fouls at the end of that. Oh, the game. two fouls
0: on the three-point shooters. I
1: mean, that those are they've got to be two of the worst fouls I think I've ever seen, in, just in those situations. I mean, those were like literally the only things that you could do if you're Maryland to keep them in that game and you're sending them to the line to shoot three free throws with the clock stopped and the one on Trimble with just over a minute left that fouled them out of the game too so you don't have your best ball handler you don't have your best free throw shooter on the court for that last minute and it was just when you're a Maryland fan watching this you're just like oh my god this this is actually going to happen they're going to come back and win and the season's going to end so It was was a very nerve-wracking game, but it was a very Maryland game, I would call it.
0: I would say, but I think the Hawaii game, as we mentioned before, was even more of a Maryland game. Like, they were struggling in the first half. They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They couldn't shoot. They were getting stuff inside. They were getting the looks when they went there, but everything from the outside wasn't working, and there were times on offense where you were seeing the Maryland offense that looked completely clueless. But I think the key play of that game was Melo Trimble running into Stefan Jankovic, drawing a foul, making two free throws, and instead of trailing at the half, Maryland's up at the half. That was a really smart play, and though Maryland didn't pull away until about, I guess, 10 minutes into the second half. Like, this team's unbeaten when they go into the half leading, and I don't think that's a coincidence. They get more confidence, even though they were winning by one, in a game where they were playing pretty terribly on the offensive end, again, accepting their defense was sensational maybe that play just a smart play by a very smart player kind of gave Maryland a bump that they needed in a game where they were really stagnant.
1: Yeah. I, I think like you said, it was such a a smart play by him to just know where his defender was and, and go right at him like that and get that foul charge. It, it was just, um, not foul charge, foul called, um, it was just such a smart play by by Trimble, and like you said, it really helped swing the the momentum for Maryland because that that was a very, a very close game at, at that point. And you know, plays like that, and you think you know those can be the difference in a NCAA tournament game like that. And you know, when you're you're going home if you lose, I mean, those are really really important plays.
0: And it turned out to be a pretty important play. Then Maryland went on that run, which was probably the best minute or so of basketball, maybe Maryland's played all year, and it was sparked by Rasheed Suleiman, and for all of the controversy about him coming to Maryland, all of the stuff about his past, which we've talked about in detail on the site and on this podcast, you saw in that game and in those moments why Mark Turgeon wanted him, because... Rashid Suleiman was the player of the game. He sparked everything the Terps did defensively. I think Roderick Bobbitt, their, their big guard for Hawaii, did next to nothing all game because Rashid Suleiman had him in his back pocket. He sparked transition offense. He scored big baskets when he needed to. He was providing the emotional lift for a team that looked a bit, I don't want to say stayed, and I don't want to say that they were kind of overlooking Hawaii because you can't really overlook a team in the round of 32. But at sometimes they really did feel like they were, and and Suleiman kind of put the team on his back, and that was an amazing performance by him. And then, of course, my favorite thing is he gets the silent treatment in the locker room and then gets mobbed. That's still one of my favorite things in sports, and he deserved it after that game. And for all the things you might have said about Rashid Suleiman before the year. That game kind of proved every single reason why Mark Turgeon wanted him, and Mark Durgin was proven right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, Suleiman just had a, a fantastic game, and it's really... You go back to the beginning part of the season, he did a lot of things for this team and helped carry them, and it was really you know, hard to think about where Maryland would have been without him on this team this year, especially when Deion Wiley got injured and missed the entire season. He's just been a fantastic uh, addition to this team really brought into the kind of team concept and, you know, has really helped carry them at points. And I think he's, he's become a a leader in that, um, in that huddle for them. You know, mellow Trimble is a fantastic player, but he's not exactly the most vocal guy out there. He's a little reserved. And I think Suleiman is, you know, over the year, has kind of grown into that leadership role. It's hard to walk on campus and have that role immediately. Um, Des Wells did it when he got here. But um, I think as the season's worn on, Suleiman's really kind of assumed that role. And he had a great game. He had 14 points, um, three assists, five rebounds, and a steal. So it was a really good effort from him.
0: He definitely did basically replaced Des Wells not only on the court but in that emotional sense as well and what you saw from Mark Turgeon after that game that was the first time I've seen Mark Turgeon look relieved after a game in a long time there was so much pressure on him this year because of the assemblage of talent and all of the hype and then when it started to go wrong you were starting to think this has to be weighing on him like he's not going to get fired this wasn't the pressure from before when he had to make the tournament or else the lynch mob was coming, you know, this was a different kind of pressure. And you could see at a point he was getting to him. He looked flustered. He looked a little bit like, what can I what can I do at this point? And then after the game, you just looked at him with the team behind him in that post-game press conference, and he said, he feels now for the first time like he's probably not going to be coaching without a lot of pressure on him tomorrow or well, today when you're listening to this podcast for the game. And that's rare. I mean, when's the last time Mark Turgeon... Maryland was coaching without a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, I mean
1: he's been he's been under pressure since since he got here and I think he knew what he was walking into and, and he's done a, a good job. Um Maryland Maryland fans have some very lofty expectations and it's always been that way. Um before Gary Williams got to those back to back Final Fours and finally broke through and won the title in two thousand two. Maryland frequently had exits from the NCAA tournament in the sweet 16. You know, they were making the sweet 16, you know, year after year, but couldn't get past that second weekend. And a lot of Maryland fans thought Gary wasn't able to, to do that. And he finally broke through. So, you know, that, that kind of pressure at a school like Maryland, you know, Maryland is definitely a a basketball school that has a very rabid fan base that cares a lot about the sport. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure there. And I think getting to the Sweet 16 finally, I mean, it's just been so long. It's really hard to think about how long it had been. 2003 was the last time they were there. And I, I looked at, you know, Maryland had been to six bowl games in that time in football, which just is, you and know, in 2003, ridiculous.
0: 2003, the Maryland was coming off the Peach Bowl that year in football. Like, that's how long ago it was. That was when Maryland football was actually really good. Yep. You know, like, it, it's so much has changed in those 13 years. And, and Maryland's had a lot of tough luck losses in the tournament. I mean, people saying Syracuse and Butler and then Corey Lucius, who finally had the demons put to bed that Maryland won in Spokane. I think that's kind of appropriate, all things considered now. But for, for Mark Turgeon, I think it was a different kind of pressure because in, after all of the player defections and transfers after 2013-14, and it, the program looked like it was lost. People were saying they just have to make the tournament, and that's an insane kind of pressure. And then the assemblage of talent, getting all of these guys together, and on paper it looked like the best team in the in the country, or one of the best teams in the country. And then just not being able to meet that, never really looking like the team everybody expected. But to get to the Sweet 16, which I always said was the goal, I thought that anything after that— To expect them to do it is hard because once you get in the dance, it's a lottery. You have no idea how things are going to play out. You don't know who you're going to draw. I I think for Mark Turgeon, this is a successful season. And as we transition into this Kansas game, even though it's against his alma mater, I don't think Mark Turgeon and the Terps really have that much pressure on them. I think the ball is squarely in Kansas's court as they are the number one seed in the tournament. They're the best team in the country right now. They're the best team remaining now that Michigan State's out. I think the ball's in their court and everybody's going to have to play up to their level and they have to match the challenges. And Maryland for the first time, oh God, a couple years is an underdog. I can't believe I'm saying that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, I really wonder if kind of the expectations and pressures that were on this team when the season began, you know, people were talking about them as preseason number one, they started out there in the top five, you know, that's a lot of pressure to live up to, especially for a program that, you know, a couple of years prior was a few games above 500. And we are talking about a program that had to transition from the ACC to the big 10. And they finally broke through last year and got back to the tournament for the first time since Turgeon took over. And now, you know, they're here again. They have this huge assemblance of talent and, you know, you know they had a lot of a lot of pressure on them, and now I, I think you're completely right. I think you know who is who's really predicting Maryland to win this game against Kansas tomorrow. Alex you know, Kersner did on the
0: yeah. site. He did. I mean, well, other I, than I, that, I haven't seen anybody predict Maryland's going to be Kansas. I,
1: I think Maryland definitely has the capability of beating Kansas tomorrow, and if they can play up to their talent, you know they can 100% beat Kansas and. Even if they weren't in Kansas's region, I can almost guarantee you that they were going to have to face Kansas at some point. So, if they want to win it all, I think you know you have to beat Kansas at some point. So, you know they're going to try to do it and with a trip to the Elite Eight on the line. And you know, I, I again, I think they definitely can do it. But you know, no one's no one's picking them to. So just go out there, play basketball, and whatever happens, happens.
0: I want to get to a point. One of the few smart things that Doug Gottlieb said during the entire weekend of calling Maryland is this is the second straight year that Maryland's tournament games have been called by Doug Gottlieb, who's good in some areas but not particularly great in others. He isn't the best tournament analyst. I don't think I'm surprising anyone by saying that. But he did make one salient point when Maryland had well and truly put Hawaii away. It was that Maryland, at each individual position— player for player, is probably more talented than Kansas. Kansas doesn't really have anybody that's a lottery pick in the NBA. And Maryland could have three or four, depending on how the draft breaks out. But Kansas has been the better team all year. And they really have shown that team aspect. And that makes it so hard to beat them. And very few teams have been able to do it. And because of that, Maryland's going to have to play like they haven't all year. And I don't know the last – Really, I guess against North Carolina, and even then they were going up against a really unstoppable force. That was the only time where I thought Maryland played to a point where I said they could beat anybody in the country if they play like that on a neutral floor. We really haven't seen it since then, and I think they're going to probably have to channel a bit of that if they, if they want to beat the Jayhawks, even though this matchup in some senses is actually kind of favorable. Yeah, I mean, I, that's,
1: I, I agree. Um they're they're just gonna have to, they're just gonna have to play really well. Um, to me, the, the biggest thing, the, the biggest reason I, in the back of my mind, hope that they can pull it out and get that win is that, you, know, I think, although it doesn't necessarily show up if you're looking at a box score or the score, just in general of the game, that Maryland has been playing some of their best basketball over their last five games or so, five or six games. You know, if they can continue doing that, if they can continue that defensive effort, uh, if they can play like they have in some key stretches in the NCAA tournament and even in the big 10 tournament, then like I said, they could, they could definitely beat Kansas, but they're going to have to, not make some of the dumb mistakes that they've made. They're going to have to, you know, not turn the ball over. They're going to have to make smart shots, um, not just chuck up a three. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that they have to do right. And, again, they're capable of, of doing that. It's just whether they can put that full – Package of things together, but you know we've seen them do the good things now recently. Even like, okay, they're finally doing that. Their three-point shot might not have fallen against Hawaii, but I mean, if they made four or five of those 18 threes against Hawaii, then you're talking about a complete blowout of that team, and you know it's it's not an issue at all. They went one for 18 from beyond the arc, and they still won by, what, 13 points? So, I mean, that that's the kind of way I'm trying to look at some of this stuff. And, you know, if they can get their – if their three-point shot is falling at a decent clip and they can do what they did against Hawaii, then, yeah, I think they have a good shot against Kansas. But
0: they've, they've lost four games all season to Michigan State and Chicago and then at West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. And in each of those games, defensively, doesn't look like they've been that amazing and Maryland can definitely exploit some of their matchups. Maryland, I guess, is a team that when you press them, they get into a bit of trouble. And Kansas defensively is a team that doesn't really press. They kind of compact everything inside the arc. They force you to beat them. And many times teams can't do that because on the other end, they're so efficient on offense. I mean, you all know Perry Ellis, who's been at, uh, been at Kansas for basically ever, Frank Mason, Wayne Selden. This is such a tough team to beat. And mellow Trimble in this game is going to have to be the mellow Trimble of that Arizona State game from a year ago. And the mellow Trimble, uh, to a lesser extent, against Hawaii, but really the mellow Trimble against North Carolina, where he went on a streak where he just was not missing any sort of, any single shot. And he's going to need other players to prop him up. But this is, this is mellow Trimble's game. You want to impress the NBA scouts, and there are going to be a lot of NBA scouts in attendance. This is the game to do it. And... I think he can but Kansas is so good defensively that boy I every time I think about this game it, it comes down to I guess like the bounce of a ball or who gets into foul trouble who makes more dumb mistakes and boy I'm struggling with who who can win this because I think Maryland can on their day beat Kansas but I don't know if they're gonna get that day and this isn't I guess a de facto road game it's there will be Maryland fans there. It's not like they are in Spokane or last year in the tournament, but it's gonna be so hard. And for a good team, even though Maryland has matchup favorabilities, I'm, I'm struggling with this one, Dave. Yeah, I am too. I mean, honestly, you can make
1: you can make any kind of argument that Kansas will win the game in a close one. That Kansas will win the game in the blowout. That Maryland will win the game in a you know a close one. You know, I can see either of those three scenarios happening and you can make an argument for it. And I'd be like, that is a perfectly reasonable argument. And, you know, I, I might think differently, but it's, it's easy to make a kind of argument for any of those three scenarios. I mean, I can't really see Maryland blowing out Kansas, but I I can see them winning in a close game. I can see Kansas blowing out Maryland. If they do some stupid things and
0: I can also see Kansas winning in a squeaker. I right, mean, and I can see be-
1: Kansas winning this week. I mean, the other thing about this is Bill Self is a very, very, very good basketball coach. Very, very – I mean, he's arguably one of the best in the country. So, you know, he's going to have his team ready and prepared, and, and they frequently are. They've only lost four times this season. And as you said, they're they're a really good team. You know, together, they're greater – as a team than they are probably individually, and, and that having was, that makes them hard to stop.
0: And that was my really only bone of contention with Alex's preview, which you could read on the site, is yes, Maryland at individual positions is probably outside of power forward better than Kansas, but I we've never seen Maryland play that cohesive team, the team without an ego to a sense, and Kansas has been that all year, and I don't expect Maryland to do that overnight. The one thing that can definitely change it is if Maryland gets foul calls to go their way. If they can put Kansas in early foul trouble and dare them to defend in the ways that they have to defend. Alex posted that. I mean, they gave up 37 shots to Austin Peay. Now, Austin Peay's a terrible team, and that game was well and truly over before it even started. But 37 foul shots is a lot. If Maryland gets to the line 30 times, I bet you they're probably going to win you feel that foul shots and turnovers are probably going to be what decides this game because the talent in the half court is so kind of even and the Maryland's defense is so good and Kansas's offense is so good and we know Maryland can be a streaky scoring team when they find their touch which is can beat any defense but I, I just think it comes down to discipline and you wonder does Maryland have enough of it in this situation
1: yeah yeah I completely agree um, you know I think the, the discipline thing is is a big thing you know can Maryland be they've disciplined had, for they, 40 minutes I mean that's the mm-hmm. real question
0: they've had two they had Melo Trimble foul out against South Dakota State and Robert Carter foul out against Hawaii if either one of them foul out Maryland has obviously Melo Trimble fouls out Maryland's in big trouble but if even if Robert Carter fouls out Maryland's in a lot of trouble because at that point you're bringing in DeMonte Dodd and that and that concerns me in a lot of senses so I guess to wrap it up with this prediction, does Maryland beat Kansas? And if you look at my bracket, I don't think Maryland beats Kansas. I look on paper, Kansas is a better team. They haven't lost a game in about two months. They're starting to click. It's They're the best team in the country. Maryland is so up and down, even in just games – I think it'll be close, but that Ken Palm score that says 76-70, to 70. I could see Maryland keeping it at like a 5-6 point deficit until the end, and then Kansas pulls away with three. That's basically what I think happens. Something like that where Kansas pulls away at the end because of late free throws, and Maryland keeps it within 5-6 for the most of the game, and each team has a little individual run back and forth, something like that. And, and that's not a slight against the Terps by any means, because Kansas is one of the few teams they've played all year that's better than them. But I just don't think it goes their way, just objectively speaking. What, what do you think?
1: No, I, I agree. I mean, objectively, I think Kansas is the the better team, and I think they, you know, definitely. You know, I I think they'll will come away with a win. You know, thinking as a as a Maryland fan, you know, I, I have talked myself into believing that. Maryland can definitely win this game. And they can. Because
0: I think even part, objectively part, Maryland can
1: win this game. No, yeah, I do. Part of me feels like, you know, they're not going to have a repeat of one of eighteen from Beyond the Arc. So are we going to get some sort of
0: statistical rebounds cor- though?
1: Right. Or are we going to get some sort of statistical correction for that one for eighteen effort, and they go like I don't know, nine of twenty or something, or something like. like that, yeah. and then. So, I don't know. If you want me to make a prediction, then I, I say Maryland squeaks by Kansas, like, 72 to 71 on a last-second Mellow Trimble three-pointer.
0: Which would put him down in history as – well, that would that would be pretty amazing. I still – I just can't see it happening, but if they, do, if they do at that point, then their biggest obstacles out of the way, and then you could actually really start dreaming, I guess – uh, if it ends, two more points before we before we leave. If it ends in the Sweet 16 and they lose to a good Kansas team, let's assume it is one of those games where you're hanging tough and then the margin gets inflated because of foul shots at the end of the game. Is it a successful season for Maryland if that's how it ends?
1: I, I, th- I really – I think it is. I think it's really hard to argue otherwise. I mean, you have to look at this – and Maryland has an extremely talented team, but this is also the first time Maryland has been back to the Sweet 16 in 13 years, and and you know this program went through a a rebuild. It really did. I mean, it from when Gary Williams retired to when Mark Turgeon took over to the huge mass exodus and transfers that they had. You know, it's it's really remarkable that Maryland is back to this point, and now they have to build on that and you know hopefully get back to the levels that they were achieving in you know the early 2000s so yes i think it's a successful season anytime you're one of the last 16 teams standing like that then i think it's it's successful um, you know it doesn't mean that you don't wish that they could have gone further or think that they were capable of going further and i think that's kind of a separate question to ask but when you when you look back on this five years from now i think yeah you know you look at this as a a successful run for them
0: one of those questions will be asked whenever this season does end and we do a retrospective show uh the final question is you think maryland's gonna win i don't but who would you rather play miami or villanova
1: Ugh, man i don't
0: know. see like you've reached the point now where it's you're damned if you do damned if you don't because right. I mean, Maryland's going to play a really good team in the Elite Eight, and a really good team in the Final Four, unless it's Duke. And then in the national title game, I would assume it's probably going to be UNC or Virginia. And they've already lost to UNC once, and they lost to Virginia last year. So it, it gets no easier after this.
1: Right. I mean, this time of the year, like I said, if you're when you're looking at teams in the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, I mean, those are the best teams in the country. They're there for a reason. You're going to have to beat really good teams in order to continue advancing. And I I know Villanova, I think, is a really, really, really good team. Miami is a very, very good team as well.
0: Um, Villanova has shaken their – well, we think they've shaken their tournament terribleness. Yeah. But, I mean – I mean, they. We'll see. I mean, they destroyed Iowa. Like yeah. they, that wasn't even close, and that's usually the point where Villanova screws up, you know. So I, I. And then Miami. And then Miami too has some pretty good wins on their ledger. They've got a good team. Jim Larinaga's been there, done it before in the tournament. I think Villanova offensively scares me a bit more, so I'd rather play Miami, and I think Miami beats Nova just because again I'm still super skeptical of Nova in the tournament, but. Boy, I mean, again, at this point, we're, we've we reached the point where you, yeah, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't.
1: Yeah, I think I'd probably rather play Miami than Villanova. I mean, Villanova's just, you know, I think they're a really good team. They're a top-four team in Ken Palm this year. Miami's a little bit worse. They're something like 10 or 11, I think. But, you know, I, I, I think Villanova would be a really hard team to, to beat. But, again, like I said, you're going to have to beat – Good teams. If you want to continue your season at this point, um, when Maryland went on their run to the national title, they had to beat Wisconsin, Kentucky, Connecticut, Kansas, and then Indiana in order to, in order to do that. So you're gonna have to win. You're gonna have to beat a good team. Um, otherwise, you know your season ends, and that's just the brilliance and. Um, sadness that kind of coexists with the NCAA tournament each year.
0: What a magical, magical time when Maryland's most horrible loss in recent memory—that terrible game against that team that shouldn't be mentioned—got basically erased because you and I did the same thing in the NCAA tournament and in less time. <laughs> that was that was pretty good. I, yeah. Jay Williams tweeted about it. I joked. I said Maryland won. You can't you can't take away the buzz now. Maryland's in the Sweet 16. I don't really care anymore. Right. Uh, that the fact that that game was brought up was but yeah. But that comeback, but that you and I choke was worse.
1: Oh yeah, that that was that's gotta be one of the most I mean epic collapses. So yeah.
0: Anyway, that's it for this podcast. I'm sorry to say that we didn't have more people on because my recording program is still not where it should be. Again, it had a. Michigan State against Middle Tennessee State moment and just decided not to work last week and it hasn't been fixed. But I'll try to do that. I don't know whether we'll podcast if Maryland wins. I doubt it if we'll if they lose. But if Maryland wins, you'll you'll see stuff, trust us. There's coverage from Louisville, there's coverage on the site. Dave, uh, where are you going to be watching the game, I guess, is, is, a, is a good final question.
1: Um, probably at my house because it starts at 940 and that's kind of late by the time it's going to be over.
0: Be careful about waking your uh, daughter up
1: with screaming because
0: yeah. it's a late game.
1: <laughs> that's that's a very valid point.
0: I am very close to Bentleys, but be damned if I'm going to watch that game at Bentleys. <laughs> if they go farther, maybe, but uh, not now. Uh, I know that might be sacrilege to some people, but it's not sacrilege to me. My TV's pretty awesome. And I got a very big hockey game that's going to end like 10 minutes before the basketball game starts, so I'm going to be going crazy nervous all night. It's not going to be fun. Anyway, thank you, Dave. <laughs> for putting up with me for about, I don't know, 47 minutes by the time you're listening to this little clip. It was a good chat, and thank you for putting up with all the technical issues, too. I'm sorry.
1: No problem. Thank you. Uh,
0: I thought it was an Ides of March issue last time. It wasn't an Ides of March issue, but enjoy the game. We'll talk about it at length, whether Maryland sees an end or it doesn't end, against Kansas tonight. Enjoy it. Enjoy this entire run. But, of course, no terms.